Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Hey parents, if you have gone through the birth experience, um, you know how complex it is and how scary it can be and how much is all involved. And sometimes we experience what we would call traumatic births. And today we're going to spend some time talking about that with a special guest by the name of Rita Gern. Rita is the owner of RKMG Group, which is a counseling agency that specifically works with perinatal mental health clients. This can include things like those trying to conceive, pregnant or postpartum, and the various challenges that can arise at each of these stages. She is a Canadian certified counselor and a registered social worker. She has a bachelor's in social work and master's in counseling psychology and offers virtual counseling services. She's currently completing EMDR training with a special interest in perinatal clients. EMDR is one of the most evidence-based therapies for working with trauma clients. Rita is passionate about normalizing the challenges that come with trying to become a parent and parenthood itself. She likes to remind herself and her clients that the highlight reels seen on social media or heard about from others may not be everyone's experience. Those who are drawn to working in this specific area tend to have their own story. For Rita, motherhood has been an all-encompassing experience, and she's grateful to have the space where she can speak her own truth without judgment and with acceptance. In her free time, you're going to find her either outdoors with her family or watching HDTV. Rita, welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to share this information. I think the topic is one that doesn't get enough exposure. And I think the people who are struggling with birth trauma um, already feel isolated. So the more awareness we can put out there, uh, the better it is for moms, dads, parents, and families as a whole. Yeah. Information is so key. Half of this podcast is really dedicated to kind of delivering that. And the other one is the part of it is just normalizing. So people aren't feeling so alone in this. So Mm -hmm. I know that's your approach to your work too. So I so appreciate you being here. Could you share a bit about what it means to be a perinatal mental health clinician, both in terms of the clients you see and how the, how you go about your work? Sure. So, um, Being a perinatal mental health clinician, I mainly work with uh, women and couples, uh, and I'm working with them related to their journey towards parenthood, um, their journey during pregnancy, and their journey after their baby, whether that's uh, a year after postpartum, five years, 10 years, 20 years postpartum. Um, so being a perinatal mental health clinician, you follow the journey with individuals and you meet them at different points. So I can see someone while they're going through, say, IVF, and then I can see them, you know, three years postpartum because, you know, they're dealing with parenting issues. Mm-hmm. So it's really creating a supportive space. And acknowledging that parenting is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
amen to that. (laughs) Parenting all the way through the gamut, right? Yeah. From the conception of the idea we want to be parents all the way to, oh, our kids are grown up and out of the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really passionate about perinatal mental health because I think so much of the social expectation and social media has put it out there that this is a beautiful and like blissful time, which it can be. But for almost 25% yeah. of women and men, it's not. It, they're, yeah. they're depressed, they're anxious, they're unsure, and they feel further and further isolated because they feel that they don't have permission to have these honest conversations and raw dialogue about yeah. how challenging it can be. And especially now during a pandemic, I think that just changes the lens for everything is parenting is hard. And now we have a pandemic. Yes. Yeah. It's those, those walls have closed in so much. Hey, mm-hmm. I have a number of friends mm-hmm. who have given birth during COVID and like two, I haven't met their babies yet. It's just such a, where the, where's the village, right? And even if they had built yeah. that around them intentionally, mm-hmm. we can't go mm-hmm. in. We can't access yeah. the same way. Yeah. It's really hard. Absolutely. So today in our conversation, we're going to specify some information around what the impact is and what the experience of birth trauma is. Can you, I don't know if it's defining it, but can you just put some, some parameters around what is birth trauma and how does it impact us? One of the most prominent researchers in birth trauma, Cheryl Beck, she says birth trauma really is in the eye of the beholder. And that means that birth trauma is your experience of it. Um, So if we were to look at, say, a formal definition, it's uh, birth trauma would be if a woman experiences or perceives that she and her baby were in danger of injury or death during childbirth. Her birth is then defined as traumatic. And this can have a psychological and physical component or both. Um, So anyone, and the other piece about birth trauma that's really key is that anyone involved in the labor and delivery uh, process can experience trauma. Mm. So it doesn't just need to be the parent that is birthing, but also the partner, the support person, the midwife, the doctor. So birth trauma can, you know, has a ripple effect on a lot of people. And like psychologically, when a lot of times, you know, people can assume birth trauma, yeah, like it was uh, an emergency C-section or there was concern for the, it was a life or death situation for mom or the baby. And you can, you can put yourself in those shoes and say, yeah, that would be very traumatic. But then there's this whole psychological component of birth trauma. And that's where we're seeing a lot of women who and families who don't get that support. And that psychological trauma comes from a variety of reasons. But usually there's a disconnect between the expectations of what you thought your birth would be and what actually happened during the birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking even just, I love how you broadened the aspect about who can actually experience birth trauma. So it's really anybody who's in connection with the experience of the birth, not the person necessarily giving birth as being the only person Mm -hmm. who can experience it. But 
if you are tied to that mm-hmm. experience in some way, feel some sense of responsibility in the process and something goes sideways, scares you, that is perceived in a way of an out of control experience, which is mm-hmm. really how we define yeah. how trauma memory sits in the brain as opposed to just, I can recall an event that happened, right? That didn't scare me. That didn't traumatize me. I'm also thinking then about how we can broaden or can we broaden the experience to the parameters doesn't have to be necessarily around the birth, the exact boundaries of birthing, but the whole birth experience. So I, I, I've known people who have mm-hmm. had incredibly difficult uh, circumstances mm-hmm. or have had stillborn children. Mm-hmm. The hospital's approach to responding is what sits with them the longest. Yeah. is those first interactions after they're shell-shocked, still in somebody else's environment and so vulnerable and so raw and how mm-hmm. those people respond has such a deep lasting impact on their memory of how that went. Right. right? Absolutely. Can you speak a bit to the system? For like- sure. And um, I'm so glad you brought it up because as we know, um, mental illness impacts everyone. It doesn't discriminate. But we also know that mental illness, especially in the perinatal and postpartum phases, people who are uh, Black, Indigenous, or people of color, LGBTQ+, community, transgender gestational carriers are at even higher risk of Um, having birth trauma. We know that birth trauma impacts about 30% of individuals giving birth. So that's a lot. That number is high. Wow. That is. That is a lot. You know, um, what you said about in terms of how a nurse maybe responded to something or a doctor responded to something or the care providers um, responded to something, that is what sits with people. You know, the psychological trauma comes from the feelings of loss of control. So yes, one is the physiological loss of control, but there's also the loss of control of what's happening around you, how supported you feel, if you're feeling listened to or respected. Um, Also, if you're feeling supported by your husband or your partner or the health professionals during labor, Um, if you're having adequate pain relief or you have failed pain relief Um, and if you have the feelings that you think that you are going to die like these each one of these that I just listed off are huge huge concepts that can impact somebody's birth experience for example just to even talk about the healthcare providers that are around uh, research has indicated that if you have a cesarean, you're at higher risk for birth trauma or any form of medical intervention. Um, research also really? indicates if you have a, mi- yeah, which is huh. very interesting because, you know, in our area, you can, um, hospital, certain hospitals are known for having higher rates of cesarean sections versus other hospitals. Um, And also certain communities, there's communities where services of midwives and doulas are much more available, accessible, and people are willing to engage and use them. So if you have a midwife or a doula, rates of birth trauma decrease. 
I mean, intuitively, that makes sense, right? So what does that tell you? What do you get? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just even personally with my first, I went through the medical system and had a maternity doctor. With my second, I had a doula. And the experiences are night and day. Really? Oh, that's fascinating. And so, yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I kind of promote, like, if you were having a baby, do what works for you. But if somebody asked me what my opinion was and what my experience was, my experience with a midwife was absolutely amazing. And at the end of it, my husband and I joked with our midwife, like, maybe we'll have another baby just because we want to spend time with you. Like that, that was how great my experience was. (laughs) That's yeah. a big commitment. Like, just well, to that's have a fun. lot of commitment just to see me. <laughs> but that was the mind frame I was in the, my second time around. Whereas the first time, it was a you know risk factors of like very long and intensive labor and delivery, not being listened to, having maternity doctors switch shifts because you know those twelve hours pass and I'm still there with no baby, and that's experience of a lot of first time, second time, third time moms, and there's a lot of unknown in this. You know when uncertainty is at play. Um, the risk for trauma increases, especially when there's a health-related uncertainty. Yeah. Is there a discrepancy between how partners might experience, the way in which partners might experience the impact of birth trauma than the person birthing? So does it manifest differently, I guess, is what I'm asking. I think it manifests differently for each individual person. I think there's certain themes that will come about for sure. As the partner who is there, you get themes of feeling helpless, feeling inadequate, and a lot of things that will come out from that within the relationship dynamic once you're home or once, you know, things have settled down is there is, you know, higher rates of postpartum depression uh, for both partners, but also increased for dads. There's anxiety and the way depression and anxiety manifest for men can be different. Um, And so we'll see a lot more um, uh, isolation, a lot more avoidance, not being hands-on, feeling like they can't do anything right because they weren't able to help during that that time. And, you know, again, societally, what do we, what are, what's the man's role? And I know we're talking very generally and generically today about like the mother birthing or the husband or the father, and this can be any type of relationship and however anyone identifies their identity. So, um, but we see like the man's job is to be the rock. He's the protector And in those circumstances, they can't, yeah, those expectations. And so they feel like they have let their partner down. When in reality, the circumstances sometimes when it is an emergency and something needs to happen medically, they can't be that protector. They can't. And But what can happen is acknowledging what happened. And that's where the, the relief comes, like even just labeling it. Being ha- giving yourself the permission to say that was not what we expected, that was not what we wanted, that was terrible, 
creating that space to have that conversation and for both acknowledging that it's not just the birthing parents experience it can be the partner's experience as well I can see how that might be actually a buffering factor for recovering from trauma is if if what we mm-hmm. want for people is to not feel alone and isolated as though they're crazy for feeling that way, if your partner can also acknowledge that this has had a profound impact on them, that the pain is very real, then they're together sitting in the pain. They're not separated in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think when you're, when you go through something traumatic, it's, um, it's that shared story that you create and it becomes your shared birthing story. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And so I think the healing then can begin as well. So speaking about the healing end of things, I, I all, Mm -hmm. I never want to dive into the mud so deep that we just get this, the despair aspect, right. Of just, let's be real about the mud, Mm -hmm. let's stand in it together, but let's also talk about, ways through what people have learned? Can we share collective wisdom around what do we know about the healing process? Any tools, any resources, that kind of stuff. So to attend to that piece today, can you walk us through some of the things that new parents can do to attend to the impacts of the trauma that they're experiencing and Mm -hmm. just what self-care looks like on that journey during that stage? Well, and as you know, that self-care is already limited as a new parent. (laughs) Sleep is already, you know, a very valuable resource that is in low, is not readily available. So uh, what can people do the actual things? Well, one thing that you mentioned is that care providers sometimes cause the trauma because of their presence and how they handle the situation. So a lot of things that if you were to do a Google search or if you just say, this was my experience, what should I do? It'll say, talk to your care provider. But for some, that isn't a possibility because that was kind of the source of the trauma. Source. Um, totally. Yeah. So what do you do then? Where do you go? And so there, there are several resources online. Um, there's also things that you can do without, which doesn't have to be seeking out medical attention right away. It can be, you know, creating space to get some sleep, creating space to process. So whether that's going for a walk and being in nature by yourself to, you know, get some, get grounded and, you know, feel at one with your body. Cause a lot of times when trauma happens, um, women feel that their body, uh, kind of failed them. And so sleep and diet and nourishing yourself. And I say this a lot with my work is give yourself grace (laughs) because it's so important and it's so not the norm, unfortunately, to give yourself grace. It's always running to put out the fires. And when you go through a traumatic experience, that pause is absolutely necessary. It makes so much sense to me. And somebody put it to me this way of when you've experienced trauma, your nervous system needs regular breaks. Mm-hmm. It needs, right? And so how that translates is whatever works for you. So the walks in nature, mm-hmm. the how do you connect, reconnect with your body? Um, mm-hmm. 
some of that language sometimes gets lost with people where they go, okay, but what does that, how does that actually help me other than in the moment of, yay, I felt good for a second, but I'm going to go back mm-hmm. into the fire, the burning house in two minutes. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and what we're trying to tell parents, at least in the work that I do, I'm trying to tell parents the value of the break for the nervous system is that it has an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to remember what it's like to feel grounded. If you never mm-hmm. give it that opportunity to come back to that level state, it lives mm-hmm. 100% of the time. How are you going to find that back mm-hmm. when actually the dust settles mm-hmm. and things are okay? Mm-hmm. Your nervous system will just keep acting like it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what happens is trauma is absorbed and maintained in our body. So yeah. even if you can say, I know I'm safe now, like rationally, logically looking at where I am now, I know I'm safe. But, and that but is so important because trauma is stored within our nervous system. So you can be doing well. You could have a great morning and then all of a sudden you get a flashback. Or, you know, the trauma was caused by the birth and delivery of your child. You're you're going, you're seeing that child regularly. You're, you know, appointments are coming up. Immunizations are coming up. Those are all that things that could be potential triggers. So your body, like you said, needs that break. You can't be at 100 all that time, all the time. So what that break allows you to do is it allows your body to get that message from your brain that, Hey, we don't need to be in a fight or flight we are safe. And the thing is that um, people who have had traumatic births, and I believe the stats are about 3% of those who have traumatic births go on to having a full-on diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. Even if you have that post-traumatic stress disorder, with treatment, whether that's medication and counseling and therapy, or both, you can regain a normal lifestyle. You can overcome the trauma that you experience. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're going to forget that trauma. It means that your nervous system will process that trauma. It will be part of your birth story, but it won't impact your daily functioning. Okay. It's almost like the, the memory gets stored differently in the brain. It's filed in the right compartment. It's not mm-hmm. that it will disappear, but it's reorganized so that it doesn't poke at you all the time. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned Googling things, like being <laughs> proactive, go online, lots of resources. You've agreed to mm-hmm. include some of those links in the show notes, which I'll for sure do. Mm-hmm. Do you have a book on your shelf? that you go to more than others? Do you have an article that you would suggest to parents in your practice that you typically hand out? Or is there like a, a one resource that kind of stands out as a common tool? Absolutely. So I have added the link to our, um, for you for the show notes. It's through, um, I'm going to get this wrong now, (laughs) but it's through Australia. So some of the key players in birth trauma would be uh, research and services out of Australia, the UK, some in Canada. Um, 
and of course the US, but UK and Australia is where I've seen a lot of research, a lot of free resources. So one of the links um, is through the Australian um, Association of Post uh, of Traumatic Birth. And uh, they have handouts. They have handouts for partners. They have handouts for family members. They have handouts on how to have these conversations. Um, and I think that that is so vital and it gives you a bit of a script. Like, how do you have these difficult conversations? It's hard enough to have them, but having a script and something to look back at, even something validating your experience is a start. Because so, so many times, especially with the psychological trauma that we'll see, which is majority of the trauma that I see in my work is the psychological component of trauma, is that your experience was not validated. Yeah. Totally. So uh, key pointers that, I, that just reminded me, key things mm-hmm. <laughs> of like what not to do yeah. is to minimize experiences of trauma, yeah. whether that's for the birthing parent or the partner, to say, well, you know, yeah, that was terrible, yeah. but at least you have a baby. <laughs> and you'll hear a lot of that. And I think that comes out of discomfort for the person who's trying to hold the space, but they don't have the skills or the tool set or the know-how how to hold that space. And their own discomfort will lead them to saying things like this. Or they'll do a comparison. And there isn't any, there's no comparison. Trauma is trauma. Whether that's trauma from witnessing a birth or the trauma is experiencing that birth. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing to highlight and so important that I want every parent to hear there is no, there are no two matching experiences. You have the right to feel how you feel. Your outcome is your outcome mm-hmm. and your experience is your experience. And there, there is nothing somebody else can do to narrate that differently for you. Like this is yours, right? Yeah. And I think you're right. The, the common discomfort reaction for outsiders, people disconnected from that experience, it's to try and wash Mm -hmm. it. I'm going to just minimize it, make it smaller, compare it to something else, remind you of the good things in your life that can outweigh, right? That kind of, Mm -hmm. and again, people feel terrible because they understand that their family member or friend has their best interest in mind. It's well-intended, but it's really misguided and it hurts. Mm -hmm. It's very isolating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it hurts and it can lead to further traumatization for the individual, right? And it can increase the triggers for them. And it can further, like you said, it can further isolate them. So if it's the first time they're opening up to somebody and the their respo- the response they get back is, well, at least you have a baby. Well, yeah, I'm thankful for that and. baby. And at the same time, And not, but, and at the same time, this was really hard and it's impacting my daily functioning. So I think we touched on it a little bit, but it will, so many of the things that you'll see with people dealing with traumatic births and the, and the aftermath of that is difficulty falling asleep, having flashbacks, having nightmares, um, irritability, having rage and not knowing how to explain that rage. And there's a lots out there about postpartum rage and where that comes from. But a lot of that comes from feeling hurt, having your defenses up because you went through this experience and 
now you're just supposed to now go home, yeah. be a parent yeah. and thrive and post it on social media yeah. and make sure you do those pictures and this, that, and the other. Yeah. You make it look good. You put those highlight reels out. And for some who, who are traumatized, you know, as a mom, I think we all know, like in the middle of the night, those nightly feeds, what are you doing? You're scrolling your social media and you see everybody's highlight reels and that's further and further isolating for you. And you hope you resent the fact that you didn't have that experience. And that's okay. That's okay to feel sad about the experience that you had. Yeah. So that makes me val- even more value that resource that you're, you're speaking to, because if, if these organizations can provide these cheat sheets, these printables, these, right, these guides, it can be our quicker go-to mm-hmm. rather than, so it's almost like testing mm-hmm. our own comfort and vulnerability around, can I acknowledge for myself that this was really, really traumatic? And, and am I allowed mm-hmm. to give it time and space to pour my attention into, to owning it, that this was, this is a lived experience of mine. And, and maybe even testing the water before I talk to somebody and feel vulnerable, putting that out there, not knowing what I'm going to get back, if it's going to be validating or not, that information Mm -hmm. is very safe when it comes from the right resources, because they will speak to what you're needing clarity on, um, in a non-judgmental way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and like you said, it's in the safety of what you're comfortable with, because so much control control is taken away. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's regaining that control, regaining your voice and validating your experience. Awesome. Just um uh, just going back to your question that you had asked. So one is are those resources. The other thing that is important is to have um if you are looking for a therapist, seeking out therapists who do trauma informed therapy, Mm -hmm. who are culturally informed. Um, As I had mentioned, the stats for um, black indigenous, indigenous and people of color have higher rates of trauma. And a lot of that comes from the systematic uh, oppression within, you know, the healthcare system, all that sort of stuff. So be culturally be culturally informed be trauma informed and i i would say everyone has their own individual and unique experience so if you're not feeling like you're getting that from a therapist it's okay to move on you don't want to be re-traumatized by a therapist that doesn't meet your needs The other thing is sometimes medication can be helpful. And so having a discussion about what medication options you have and the impact of those uh, medications, if you are nursing or or not, um, just overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another resource that is great when it comes to medication and postpartum is Postpartum Support International. They have um, uh, a day where they specifically have a psychiatrist available to do consultations with other medical professionals and parents and support people to talk about medication options. So if you've had the conversation with your doctor and you're unsure about what the impact could be to you or your baby, um, do some research, have some conversation. There's medication that people take 
regularly throughout their pregnancy and postpartum, and you can still nurse. <laughs> there, it isn't an uh, either or option. That's a good myth buster, right? Yeah. I think that's <laughs> yeah. I would it love is. to do a, a part two down the road about just we today we focused on birth trauma, but the conversation mm-hmm. around what it looks like to experience postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that in just in people seeking support in the generalized counseling area. So maybe not knowing mm-hmm. to look for specific support, but just seeking out a counselor to process it. So I'd love mm-hmm. to give some, some mm-hmm. information and tools around that identifying it well, knowing how to get the right help mm-hmm. and that, that whole thing. So just, yeah. So maybe we could have even a part two down the road. Cause that I, I think you would totally be able to speak in the right vein to that conversation kind of parallel to, to the birth trauma experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such an important Yeah. It's kind of like what happens afterwards. Yeah. And a lot of times birth trauma is, if it is assessed accurate or if it is even assessed or talked with your care provider, um, a lot of times you will have conversations about postpartum depression and postpartum depression is actually a symptom. Even though it's a diagnosis on its own, it's a symptom of the trauma. So really yes. the trauma is what needs the focus um, and, uh, and postpartum anxiety as well. Like we'll see that in both partners um, and uh, I think those are very important conversations that need to be had and need to continue to just shed light on the fact that here's like the very foundational aspect of parenting and it's hard. <laughs> it's okay to say yeah. it's hard. Then you go through a trauma okay. and that just elevates it that much more. And then you have to go home with this baby. So whether you had a NICU stay or not, you know, you were in the hospital or whatever the circumstances would be. Yeah. Now you're at home with this baby during a global pandemic where you can't rely on supports, where the first time you're going to see a doctor in person might be at a six-week check-in, where nurses can't come in and drop by. So you are isolated, you are alone, and just, you know, feeding every couple of hours, um, trying to get some sleep. If you have other kids in the home, trying to manage your relationship, trying to go to the bathroom, right? Like, let's be real here. (laughs) It's hard trying to have a meal and all those things you need to nourish yourself to heal. And for some reason in Western society, it's you had a baby. Great. Now go home and do it. But whereas like if you have knee surgery, how many follow-ups do you have? How do, why do you have like this whole rehab plan? But the only rehab plan you have is we'll see you in six weeks and if everything's good then, then you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So A human I just, life. I, you know, I, no big deal. You know, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. No and big deal. the focus primarily is on the baby, right? Mm-hmm. The, and um, it's not on the parents. It's not on the mom. It's not, um, you know, acknowledging what they may be going through yeah. uh, during this postpartum period. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and have the conversation. Um, and hopefully this podcast will be helpful and the resources for folks will be helpful because, you know, 
it is hard right now if you're going through it um, and it can get better and it will get better. You need to allow yourself that space and time um, and there's help out there. Thanks for normalizing this, for centering a conversation around something that often gets put to the side or is misunderstood. I, I so appreciate your time today. Thanks, Rita. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.